five, four, three, two, one. Blast off! Yes. Okay, we are back. Building models. They were all connected. Yeah. We're getting ready for our first catering event of the year. That sounds pretty good. June 5th, 2009, that was a Friday. This after-school program started out with a bang, or should I say a roar? Coco is a Labrador Golden Retriever cross. Rockets need so much fuel in order to overcome Earth's gravity. It's wherever the wind blows and a pirate ship is chasing. You know, the pirates, they love the sea. I love this school very much, and I love you guys very much. Books, 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 books. The Big Dipper helps you find the North Star. A Big Dipper. The Big Dipper. Hi, I'm Dr. Ralph. I'm very impressed and uh, excited to um, participate in my first podcast. Welcome back to the September podcast. This is Andre. This is Mr. Kelly. This is Ajene. And we're going to tell you what we got going on this month. First off, this month we'll be talking about aspects of space. We're also going to talk about the sea because September 19th was National R Pirate Day. We're also going to talk with Beth Slade of Leader Dogs. Yeah, and that was a fine presentation there. Yes, yeah. I love Coco. Speaking of Coco, which is a guide dog. Speaking of guide dogs, the Columbus Zoo brought a couple of animals and we're going to thank them because that was nice of them. What does a Columbus Zoo and guide dogs have in common? Well, <laughs> animals. <laughs> okay. Some of our seniors uh, in art class was looking at architecture and design and they visited the old campus of the, or I should say one of the original campuses of the School for the Blind to look at differences in architecture and design between the two buildings. We'll be meeting some more of our students. We have Miss Butler's class and we'll be meeting some ninth graders and 10th graders. We also have an interview with Dr. Labar and Dr. Manis, our interim superintendent and our assistant superintendent. Mr. Kelly revisits Hot Diggity Dog to see how they're doing. And our lovely Miss Julia reads us the October calendar so you can stay up to date what happens in OSSB. <laughs> In the cap off the podcast, we're going to visit the track and cover what happens at NC ASB back at the Field Conference of 2018. Go Panthers! All right, it's September 19th, and this is National Pirate Day. Joining us on the podcast this morning is Miss Mandy from Mrs. Miller's Room. Arr! Yes, it's international talk like a pirate day there, Mr. Kenny Kelly. Arr! Oh, I got a few jokes for you if you'd like to I'd love play to along. I'd love to hear a pirate. All right joke. then. What is my a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? Favorite letter of the alphabet? Is it the letter P for pirate? Wrong. Oh, it's R. R. Ah, yep. What's their second favorite letter of the alphabet? Um, how about the letter A? Wrong. It's the letter C. 
you know, the pirates, they love the sea. Oh, they love the they sea. They do. That's too rich. That's right. It's too bad we don't have any kids here called Davy Jones. They might have to have a locker or two or something around here. Well, anyway. You have, a, you have a whole treasure chest. Of I do. <laughs> what do you think a pirate's, uh, how does a pirate's dog bark? Bark? Arf! <laughs> I'm gonna have the F on the end oh, there. Arf! I got you. I was pretty, uh, pretty upset with the traffic this morning. I was arring all over the place, you know. And I was thinking about the fast lane. And I wondered if the ocean had a fast lane. Do you think it does, Mr. Kelly? Sure it does. It, it sure does. It's wherever the wind blows and a pirate ship is chasing you. <laughs> yeah. Well, whatever you do today, have fun. Speak a little piratees, have some grub with uh, your scallywags and scurvy dogs, right. and drink some grog. But if you're naughty, you'll have to come by Mrs. Miller's room. It's her birthday, you know. And you might have to walk the plank. Now do all your homework, lads and lassies. Otherwise, you will have to walk the plank. And instead of coming to school, you'll have to spend the rest of your time with a school of sharks. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, Miss Mandy. I'll see you later. And tell Miss Nora, say you said happy birthday. Happy birthday. All right. All right, thank you. Bye. All right, on the September podcast, we're going to explore many facets of outer space. And right now I'm sitting here with Chantel, and we're going to talk about the people who fly into outer space. Right, Chantel? Yes! All right. What are the names of those people who fly into outer space? Astronauts. Astronauts. Astronauts are the ones that get in that space shuttle, that spaceship, and do a lot of things up there, like research, right? Yeah. Yeah, they study a lot of scientific things, don't they? Yeah, and you have to wear a lot of things, a helmet, everything, so you can keep safe. You got to wear your spacesuit and keep your helmet on, right? Yeah. Yeah, At least during takeoff and landing, right? How about your seatbelt? Yes. Absolutely. And you need to have 20-20 vision. Yeah, 20-20 vision. (laughs) Does an astronaut need to go to college, Chantel? Yes. Yes, they do. They have to have at least a bachelor's in either electrical engineering, uh, mechanical engineering, or some sort of science, like a, a biological science or physical science, right? Yeah. Okay. And then after that, do they have to have some sort of related professional time? Yeah. Yeah, about three years, right? Three years. Or about a thousand hours in a <laughs> piloting a, a jet airplane. Uh, yeah. There's were quite a few applicants to NASA in 2016. Ooh. There were at least 18,300 applications. Ooh, that's way high. Yeah, that's a lot. That's more people that, that go to OSSB, isn't there? Yeah. That's about a quarter of the people that go to Ohio State. Did they um? Did they uh, fly in the summertime or in the wintertime? No, I don't, I don't know. When they applied, it didn't say. Oh. But what was shocking to me, Chantel, <laughs> was that out of the 18,300 applications... Only 160 of those were invited in for an interview. Oh, my goodness. That's significant, isn't it? Yeah. And only about half of the 160 were selected to become new members of the astronaut corps. Yeah. What are some of the future plans for NASA and their new crop of astronauts? NASA's going to be having a lot of space 
ships with a lot of people wanted to go on the space. And not only do they want to go into space, but they want to go further into space than they ever have gone yeah. before, right? Yeah. To the moon. Yeah, they want to go to the moon. Yeah. How about Mars? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. On yeah. Earth. From Earth to Mars. Yeah. All right. Well, Chantel, thank you for coming in and sharing your knowledge and your research about requirements for an astronaut who wants to go to space. Thank you. All right, good afternoon, everyone. It is our pleasure to bring you an exciting interview with the leadership of OSD and OSSB. Our new superintendent and assistant superintendent. Dr. Labar and Dr. Lou Manus. Dr. Lou Manus is the superintendent of the Ohio School for the Deaf. She is also the interim superintendent of our school. While Ms. Labar has the fine title of being assistant superintendent of OSSB. So we're going we're gonna to cover some things about uh, new changes that are coming up to OSSB, uh, looking forward, and sort of the vision of the whole team as we move forward into the 21st century. So, Dr. Manis, you became the superintendent at OSD recently. Can you tell us about that? Well, certainly. Um, I, I definitely would like to first say, if I could, I'm, I'm very impressed and uh, excited to participate in my first podcast. Both of you that are interviewing are, are just, uh, it's just really exciting. So, to tell you a little bit about being named the superintendent at the uh, Ohio School for the Deaf, um, last spring I went through a number of interviews and a town hall after uh, several uh, opportunities to meet the community. Uh, yes, they did name me uh, superintendent. I have a little follow-up question if you don't mind hearing you talk. You have a little bit of a, a southern accent going which I think is great. Um, can you tell us where you're from, a little bit of your background? <laughs> yes, I am. I am from southern West Virginia. I, yes, I do have that southern draw. <laughs> Living in uh, the Columbus area now, I, I get that a little bit, and uh, uh, I'm hoping that maybe a little bit of that draw will, will uh, dissipate. Um, but so a little about my background, my most recent job before coming here was uh, assistant state superintendent. I worked with uh, curriculum and instruction, uh, special education, instructional technology, and assessment. Uh, so it was, it was a wonderful opportunity to see how everything fits together and how policy and procedure at the state level truly affects uh, curriculum and assessment and our special education as well. And then before that, I had a uh, just a great opportunity to work in the largest school district in the state. We had uh, 27,000 students, um, 4,000 employees, and 70 schools. I was assistant superintendent there for a superintendent who'd been there for 20 years and was just it was a wonderful opportunity to serve under him. Um, so that gives you about the last eight years of my life. Mm-hmm. Previous to that, and early on in my career, I was the teacher of the deaf mm-hmm. for uh, a number of years, and I was also the special education case manager for our school. 
So I had a, uh, an opportunity to work with uh, visually impaired students at that time, uh, and that was a long time ago, and uh, with other uh, different uh, areas of uh, students who had special needs. So it, I've had a lot of variety throughout my career. All right. Definitely sounds like you have a well-rounded background. Dr. Labar, you are in a new position at our school. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I can, Ajane. Thanks. Last year, I was the Director of Auxiliary Services. Big titles, big titles. Uh, Big titles, and that meant that uh, things like related services, um, the clinic teams were something that I was able to work with those teams and be in charge of. Mm -hmm. This year, being the Assistant Superintendent, I continue to work with those teams, continue to look at how can we use those staff members to support kids here who are at OSSB and to support kids who are across the state who are not in classes here but also have visual impairments. But in addition, being the assistant superintendent, I get to have a little bit more contact with the principals at both schools, um, a little bit more contact with teachers in terms of thinking about things like curriculum, instruction, what assessments do they want. So I've been really excited to get a chance to talk to everybody, if that makes sense, not just related services who are a wonderful group, but it's neat to be with everybody. But who's the uh, director of auxiliary now? You're talking to her. Oh, so you have the same, <laughs> you're like two, you do two different um, I do, I have a different parts to oh, my job. okay. Yep. So Dr. Maynes, we here at OSSB have never had an assistant superintendent. Can you tell me a little bit about that restructuring and how that affects us? Okay, so let's let... Dr. Labar, you want to respond to that assistant? I would, and then if there's anything else, you know, please feel free to jump in. So, Andre, you'd ask that we've never had an assistant superintendent before. How did this come about? Correct. We are looking at ways to make sure that both schools have service and expertise from administrators. We're trying to be very focused on making sure we're always able to get that direct support, the teachers, the para-pros, related service, and those kind of frontline people who interact with kids every day. For Dr. Minas and for me, those are the most important people who are here making sure that they're providing service for kids. The thing that I really like about getting to work with Dr. Minas and the assistant superintendent is that I get to learn from her and some of the expertise that I do not have, some of that district piece. And then she is she has been wonderful to me to learn some of the pieces very specifically here at OSSB and very specific to related services at both campuses because that's kind of a different group. If you think about being in a traditional school, that focus is on the kids in the school. And while that is a very important part of our work, our school sometimes includes the entire state. When people have assistive technology questions and they need Mr. Kelly, I don't say no to them. Mr. Ramsey doesn't say no to them if they're in Toledo. Like, we would still want to make sure that we're being helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's just a different component here because our school is just a lot larger. If you think of it like that, we are a service option for anybody who needed some help. And so it has been really exciting in the assistant superintendent spot to be able to learn from both places and to see what we can do to be useful to kids and to our adults at the schools. So what's it like being an assistant superintendent or a superintendent at both schools? I'm going to ask Dr. Aminas first because she has had more experience than I have. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would like to just quickly follow up on uh, what Dr. Labar was sharing. 
I feel very strongly that my role is supported and I am able to uh, do so much more because I have Dr. Labar's expertise. The time that she has worked here at the schools, she is able to um, help me as I'm moving uh, not only into the uh, role that uh, as superintendent, but uh, moving from one state to another and then getting some of the nuances. So um, we have a really good synergy, I believe. I think so, too. Um, in uh, being able to take uh, all the good that we both know and move it to, to being great. So what is it like being superintendent for both schools? Uh, and, excuse me, interim for uh, one school and superintendent for the other. It's, it's a very uh, unique spot to be in because I get to be an advocate for both schools. Uh, you know that currently operations and the fiscal, the budgeting and human resources, all of those areas are, are one entity. So with that one entity, since I am um, standing as a superintendent for both schools, I'm able to think about across both campuses, what are the things we need? And certainly, uh, my role is to look at how can we make both schools the very best that they can be? And the decisions, and, and I kind of um, think about the analogy, a parent who has two children. I have a daughter and a son. My daughter needs to go to the prom, so I'm gonna buy her a prom dress. My son doesn't need a prom dress. My son needs football equipment. He's going to play football. So when I think about the daughter and the son as schools, one school needs that prom dress, one school needs that football equipment, I am getting the opportunity to help make those decisions, and it's very exciting. And with Dr. Labar's help, with Mr. Ramsey and the principals at the School for the Deaf, where all of us working together and, and not only serving our students in both schools, but even the outreach services. So we're affecting all across the state. And I'll say lastly, you know, um, uh, purposeful life is, is what it's all about. And, and I just feel, I feel very honored to get this chance. So what are some up and coming changes we could see that we're gonna see this year um, in both schools because both schools are getting different security, so I wanted to know what are some of the new changes. Well, one of the changes that we have that we started last year at the blind school um, is the after-school program. My big hope, and I'm very excited because Dr. Manus has talked to me a little bit about the chance to apply for that grant for the deaf school as well. We are in year two of the after-school program at the blind school. And so we are just starting programming. We got some really exciting recommendations from teachers about everything from Braille Club to CrossFit to continuing our computer programming course. We've had the recommendation for a radio um, team. I had someone contact us recently with Ms. Brewer-Wood asking about a blind ice hockey team. So we have had some very interesting programming recommendations and so now we are looking at how can we make those happen and we've added a new person with the after school program this year specific to parent needs 
So we're really trying to connect our parents who don't necessarily live in town and our guardians who don't necessarily live in town to make sure that they have the information that they need and that they're able to do the things they want to do to support their student. So for me, that's one of the exciting pieces that we have at one school and we're looking for the chance to offer and write that grant so the other school could have a program that they enjoyed. You also talked a little bit about security um, for campuses. One piece that Dr. Manus and I are working with, there are new gates for both schools. Um, the gates are gonna offer just a general layer of security. They will also offer some ease for staff members who need to come after hours on the weekends if they needed to stop in. Um, the ability to open those gates with some programming through cars is gonna be available. So some people, this will really be a benefit um, and I will check with Dr. Manus if there's anything else that we need to think about in terms of the gates. Dr. Manus. So um, on the, uh, definitely with the, the gates, we want to make sure that stakeholders, those of us, all of us that are using those gates, that we get a chance to weigh in on, you know, when they'll be open, when they'll be closed, all the things around those gates. We want to make sure that um, we hear uh, some diff different ideas and then make some good solid decisions as to what what fits best for everyone. I do have a couple of other areas I'd like to mention about some possible uh, areas of focus. One is um, technology integration. Um, the leaders and teachers, us figuring out what tech, what increased technology integration would look like. You know in a traditional school it's called a one-to-one -one initiative well, at our schools, it's probably going to be a um, one person with multiple pieces of equipment and, and what that would look like. But certainly, we can see some areas of growth for technology integration. And then the second piece, working with the pr uh, building principals, we want to look at student engagement. What are our students engaged in? and uh, taking, a, taking a good look at that as well. So Dr. Manis, when you first arrived here at OSSB, you gave a heartwarming speech about a word that is very dear to you, grit. Can you expand on that? Tell the audience why grit is so important to you. Absolutely. So, um, and, and if you do a Google search on the internet, you'll get Angela Duckworth is like the guru of, of grit. And she has a short video clip where she talks about having grit. And then there are some other actual con uh, cartoon skits. You may know that I have, or may not know, I have five children mm -hmm. myself. And they range from adults all the way down to a 16-year-old. He's in 11th grade. Mm -hmm. um, so he has two, two years left. But... They all know that grit is very much, very dear to me. I believe um, strongly, and Angela Duckworth uh, shares in her research, that perseverance and sticking to something for a long time has a lot more benefit rather than just naturally being talented at something. Talent goes a long way, but talent doesn't make you necessarily successful. It's the grit behind the talent, meaning that I'm going to work at this and I'm going to keep at it until I am successful and figuring out uh, what works and what doesn't work for you. I'm glad you cleared that up because when I was growing up, grit was something else. 
It was breakfast. <laughs> yes, <laughs> having grits to eat. <laughs> and I want to mention that uh, when you mention grit, all the seniors, that's all they could talk about. So I think that message really sank in for us. Thank you. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. So, Ms. Labar, your catchphrase is chicken needs help. <laughs> Can you talk about that? I, I think that is a little unfair. That is a story <laughs> I have shared. However, yes, I will. Um, when I, actually, a long time ago when I was student teaching, I had a fifth grade class, um, and I still remember many of those kids. Clear Champion, we were in the computer lab, and this was a time when beanie babies were very popular. And there was a beanie baby tied to a string on top of every computer. And instead of raising your hand or calling out, the goal was that you just put your beanie baby on top of the computer and you'd cue your adult for help. And when they could, they would get to you because the ultimate dream is that we were having kids help other kids. And my little Claire Champion had put her chicken on top of the computer and had waited what she thought was an appropriate time. And she grabbed the chicken by the string, yanking it, swinging it around, yelling, chicken needs help, chicken needs help. And it caused the entire lab to shut down because the kids lost their mind laughing at this. But it stuck with me, Aj, because it shouldn't be that it gets to a point that you are asking for feedback, that you're asking for support, that you're asking for help, um, that you get to that point, if that makes sense, that you've got to just lose your mind. Um, our job is to make sure that we're here with people, that we're supporting people. There are, there's just an incredible amount of adults that know how to do their job and do it well and to serve kids. And Dr. Manus and I feel like our job is to support them and get stuff out of the way and open up new doors for them. So I laugh sometimes when I think about chicken needs help, but I'm also really, to be honest, appreciative that Claire had a bit of that breakdown with me because we don't want to be in a situation where people feel like they can't get access to us, they can't get a hold of us, and it gets to a point where you need to scream out with the chicken. <laughs> So for me, it was a very useful story, and I just I really liked that kid. She was a cutie. She was a nice kid. She was a hard worker. But I, it is burned into my mind, her face and yelling out, "Chicken needs help." I don't want that to be a situation that we repeat. So I'm trying to learn from it. Not go afoul. You're right. No, sir. Not go afoul. Skelly, would you like to take the next one? So now that we have our chicken and grits, moving forward. Talk about our vision a little bit from the leadership position. What's going to best help our students be prepared once they leave OSSB? Um, I, I will start with one thing that I was really appreciative of. Last week we had a meeting that Dr. Manus and I were at, and there was a gentleman who came to us from OSU, and he spoke pretty frankly to the two of us, sharing some of the jobs that your kids are going to want don't even exist yet. And some of those jobs are going to actually be built while your kids are in college or while your kids are in a trade school. For me, that kind of stuff really stands out, Ajene. We have capacity here with the adults in, in both schools, but specifically at the Blind School, to help prepare students for so many things. I think that one of the things I learned from Dr. Minas is to be prepared to listen to make sure that we are taking in that kind of information because it's our responsibility to take that to build the programming that we need. She has a focus that is more intense and I really appreciate it for what does the big picture need to look like? Where is the data that goes into that? What do you think they're going to need five years from now? So to me, thinking about what will you guys need when you leave 
we are lucky because now we've had enough alumni who will respond back and talk to us. I've been happy to get to talk with three kids from last year's cohort as they are traveling through what this next part of their life looks like to get some really good feedback. Listening to recent graduates, listening to long-term graduates to hear what, what did they have that they need, what's an adjustment that they want to be considered, and talking to you guys about some things are an area where I think we can start to make sure that we are getting you the best answers we need and also paying attention to the fact that that's a real life thing. We don't know every job yet. New jobs are coming pretty regularly, especially if you think about some of the technology changes. And so sending teachers to conferences, getting kids out to different schools, getting people to be connected to where there is new information to see what people need is something that I'm excited about. And Dr. Minas has an experience of that in a much larger way, just because she's already been at a state level. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're gonna learn a lot from her about that to see how we can be the most useful to our kids and really to our community. So I will just follow up. Um, uh, everything that Dr. Labar just articulated is, is spot on in my opinion. I believe that when we think about the process skills our children should have, uh, just what you're doing now, interviewing us, having that ability to do interviews, having that ability to communicate and present yourself all of those kind of process skills are very, very important to have. And then definitely thinking about uh, future problem solving and, and what is going to be um, coming down the pipe for our students. So I definitely like the, um, believe it or not, the Ohio strategic plan. The number one goal is to help our children become successful beyond high school no matter what that is, if it's a college, if it's a, a trade school, if it is um, uh, being successful in a job, all of those are helping our children to be ready um, post high school. And that's our goal. It sounds to me that it is a whole concerted effort uh, from the top down to really push this thing forward. And get us all ready for what's what's coming up in the future. I do have a question for you, Dr. Manis. If the Ohio State Buckeyes <laughs> and the West Virginia Mountaineers met in a bowl game <laughs> on the gridiron, who would you be rooting for? Well, I'll tell you what I'd have to do is, because uh, I have a daughter that's going to be going to Ohio State, um, and so she's definitely going to be a, a Buckeye. Mm -hmm. I, I would probably find a seat right there in in the in the middle where right. <laughs> you your fifty yard team. line. And my dad actually is from Michigan, um, oh. and he's oh, lived in Michigan. State. Yeah. yeah, Dr. Labar is <laughs> from Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> they did a great job Saturday against Nebraska. That's a little moment of success, I would say that. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's great. Um, is there anything else that, that anybody would like to add? I do have one question for the both of you. Can you uh, just briefly tell me one thing you love about your jobs? Andre, I will tell you, um, time with students for me is just super motivating. 
to see you guys grow, to see you push and want to think about new things. When a student gets it, like there just isn't something more exciting to me than figuring out the first time you flip you know, the egg for the omelet and you get it just right. Figuring out how to make that edit in the podcast so that it sounds the way you want it to sound. <laughs> that is still just, there isn't something more exciting to me than that. Um, and I will also tell you, I have been really lucky because I've had adults who have been very patient with me to kind of teach me things that I don't know from the time I've gotten here until now to, to feel like I get it or to know that I've asked one of the um, teachers or one of the parapros here a question and I can tell that I'm on the right track. That is exciting to me as well because it's you know this was a complete new skill set for me to learn. So sometimes to feel like, yeah, I get it. Like this is where we need to be going. Um, those two things for me just make just make it totally worth it. It makes you want to come to work and work hard. So it's really hard for me to tell you one thing <laughs> that I really like because, um, again, I feel very honored to have this opportunity. It, it is every day when I get up and I'm coming to work, it is um, very purposeful. And when I think about um, pushing for access for all, um, uh, some things that I, we're working on right now, we want to make sure that um, any type of assessments for licensure for adults, um, that they have good access all the way down to our small children, that they have um, all the resources and materials that they need. You know, folks will always say, often say, well, it's all about the kids, and it certainly is, but I will tell you one better. It's all about the whole school family because if I can ensure that our leaders and our teachers and our adults feel valued and unique and supported, that's going to spill over into students and helping the students. So definitely um, helping to build strong culture uh, it's just very exciting to me. And um, these both schools, the, the uh, Ohio State School for the Blind and Ohio School for the Deaf, are wonderful places to be. And I want to help be that voice to proclaim that. I just want to say thank you, and I really enjoyed this interview. This is Ajane's. <laughs> this, this is Ajane's Guys, third interview so far this year. I she yeah, is new. Ajane is new on the team. Yeah, I am. She's doing very well. I think Tom. Um, so, yeah, so. I haven't made as many mistakes as I thought I would. So that's pretty good. No, but trust <laughs> Mr. Good. Kelly, he wouldn't have you here if you weren't supposed to be. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to. I, 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 I was thinking, man, I want to interview them. You guys are great. Well, <laughs> we'll tell you a little story about what happened. Not this year. year. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I would like to say thank you to Dr. Labar and Dr. Manis. Um, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for, for having us on my first ever uh, podcast. I appreciate it. It has been a lot of fun to be with you guys. I'm excited, Andre, for this year, for the chance to work with Dr. Minas. Um, and we appreciate the chance to share that with you because we're feeling good about this year. And hopefully we can get you guys back in here at the end of the school year. Or they may interview you. Let's not yeah. do that again. I love that opportunity, <laughs> yeah. sir. Uh, what a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Constance, and today I'm going to be reading you guys 
Space Shuttle Facts. Hope you guys enjoy. For many years, people wondered what was beyond Earth. There was no way for anyone to explore the boundaries outside of our atmosphere. The long space shuttle allowed the exploration to take place. The space shuttle is a spacecraft that is similar to a rocket and airplane. It is used by space program and at the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA, to launch space probes and satellites, conduct space experiments, and built space stations. The length of the space shuttle is 184 feet and it weighs 4.5 million pounds. The space shuttle was first piece of the space exploration technology that was reusable. Although over 600 astronauts have flown to outer space on the space shuttle, only about seven can fly out at one time. The longest orbit of the space shuttle lasted 17 days. The space shuttle takes off like a rocket yet lands like a plane. I'm Josh. I live in Zanesville and I'm nine years old. My name is AJ. I'm nine years old. I live in Strawberry Farms and I like the library because there's so many books and books, 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 books. My name is Deisha and I'm nine years old and I live in Columbus. For swimming. My name is Brian and I'm eight and I'm from Franklin County and I'm excited about guitar lessons. My name's Devon and I am eight and I live in Ohio and I am excited for my birthday and piano lessons. I'm Kennedy and I'm nine and I live in Columbus and I'm excited for swimming. My name is Brianna. I'm nine years old. I'm from Wellington, Ohio. I'm excited for art and swimming. All right, here's our illustrious track coach and the OSSB Running Panthers, Coach Ron Hee. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Doing great, but I'm going to turn this, get this mic over here closer to you. Oh, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Thank you. We're having a good season? You know what? We're having a great season. You know, the girls and the boys have worked really hard to jump right into it. We just finished a big meet down in Tennessee, kind of getting us prepped for this weekend for the championships. And the girls took third place in that meet. Our girls' team is extremely solid. We have, in our Class A events, we have Autumn Radcliffe and Constance McCready's doing a great job, getting a lot of points. In uh, Class B, we have Ajane Bland, uh, Lolita, Hadisha, and Emmy. And then uh, in Class C, uh, Samaya ju- uh, Hassan just joined our group, and uh, Ajane does the mile in Class C. 
along with her, and the 800 along with her B events. Wow. Yeah, so the girls are really shaping up great. The boys' team, we're a little thin on numbers, unfortunately. Um, we have five members of the boys' team, Garrett Brammer, Elliot Harris, Scotty Overmeyer, Marwan Hassan, and Carl Parr. Okay. But, unfortunately, Marwan will be out this weekend. He has another leg injury. He's on the he, DL. Huh? He is. He's on the extended DL, <laughs> oh, okay. and he has been uh, disabled most of the season, unfortunately, because he is very fast. Is it a hamstring issue? Or? It No, it looks like a thigh issue, uh, the front side of the leg, and uh, he had one earlier this season in the other leg, the s- similar injury, but to the other leg. So we're not sure what's going on. I think he went to the ER last night after practice. We had the wheelchair out there. It was, it was, it was an event. So, uh, but uh, Marwan would have been half of our points. Winning is fun, but it's not all about the winning. I know that uh, it's all about getting out there and, and, and doing your best. That is, and we are good at that. Uh, we have our our team competes, yeah. and we have had personal bests by every athlete on the boys and the girls' teams this year. So it sounds like they're showing a lot of grit. There is grit. For the people that like uh, uh, grit in the world of education, our, both our boys' teams, and I'm sure Coach King would agree with the girls' team, we have grit all over the place. That's, that's great. Yep, that's good. You need a lot of that grit on the jumping pits. If it rains, any yeah. interesting stories about this season, the great memories that, to take away from pre-conference? Well, you know, we it's usually, usually those great memories happen off the track in the dorms or on uh, field trips. We did have a great party down in Tennessee watching the Buckeyes. It was Marwan's first time uh, watching a football game, and he's, he couldn't leave it. Wow. So, and uh, we bought a lot of refreshments, and we kind of had a little party on fun. Saturday night. Once a Buckeye. Oh, yeah, always a Buckeye. <laughs> I saw a thing last night uh, where Anthony Slagle was a guest speaker. Oh. And it was just talking about the brotherhood of being a Buckeye. He's, a, he's one of the brothers, yeah. a linebacker from Ohio State. Yeah, right, him from a few Bob years. Carpenter and A.J. From back, back in the day. Yeah, they were the, they were the linebacker core. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Coach Heath, for coming into the studio and talking with our podcast team today and we are very excited we're going to bring coverage of, of some of the track uh, conference oh exciting NCASB track conference and if you want to find out more about NCASB athletics we do have a website NCASB.org and that's the North uh, Central Association of Schools for the Blind it took me a minute to think of that there, acronym. Yes, and there, there's <laughs> records and all kind of things listed on that site. So there may be some people that here at OSSB that have records listed there. Get on there and check us out. All right. Go Panthers. Go Panthers. All right. Good job, Coach. Thank you. This is a spaceship, and we're traveling space. And I'll show you what this is. This is a measurement or something. It's a big dipper, mm-hmm. and it's a spoon. And I need, like, five more stars Whoa. on it. I have to be smart.
On behalf of the OSSB podcast, we would like to thank the Columbus Zoo for coming. This after-school program started out with a bang, or should I say a roar. We got to see four different types of animals, a penguin, a possum, a armadillo, and a ball python. Once again, on behalf of the OSSB podcast, thank you to the Columbus Zoo for bringing down those amazing animals. Go Panthers! One. Most modem launchers, such as Europe's Arlene 5, are very complicated and weigh hundreds of tons at liftoff. Most of this weight is fuel, such as liquid hydrogen and liquid oxygen. Rockets need so much fuel in order to overcome Earth's gravity. Only when they reach a speed of 28 are they traveling fast enough to enter orbit. Most rockets are made up of two or three stages when a stage has used up all of its fuel. It is separated to get rid of the dead weight. It then falls back, usually into the ocean and far from the populated areas, or burns up in the atmosphere. Okay, Cheyenne, tell me what we learned about today. We learned about spaceships and the Dipper. The Dipper? Is it the Big Dipper or Little Dipper? A Big Dipper. <gasps> the Big Dipper. What's the Big Dipper? Remember that word? Stars. They're stars. It's a constellation, right? Yeah. Yeah, where did your spaceship fly to? Did it f- fly and visit friends? Yeah. Yeah. And then you showed them your constellation? Yeah. Yeah. And what are the people that work in a uh, spaceship? Are they astronauts? <gasps> yeah. They f- help fly it, right? Yeah, they help flying these. Oh, man. Did you have fun traveling through space today? Yeah. Okay. It was really fun. It was really fun. Okay. Up next on the OSSB podcast, we are joined by Matt Crummer, a graduate of OSSB since 2009. Also, we will be speaking with Drew Jenis from Eastern Seals. Matt will share some OSSB memories and talk about what he has been doing since graduating from our school. All right, good morning, Matt. It's great to good have morning. you. It's great to have you as a guest on the OSSB podcast. One of our segments that we have on the podcast is called the Alumni Focus. And this is where we come back and we connect with past graduates to see what they're going to be up, what they're up to. All right. All right. So, so um, you used to call me Mr. Kelly when you were at OSSB, but I always tell my students once they graduate, you can call me Dan because Mr. Kelly makes me sound like my dad or something. So. <laughs> okay, that, that sounds good, Dan. All right. Well, I just want to ask you some questions and kind of see where we're where we're at and go from there. How's that sound? That sounds pretty good. Okay, so when did you graduate OSSB, Matt? June 5th, 2009. That was a Friday. <laughs> Friday, June 5th, 2009. And how many years were you here at the School for the Blind? 
11 total. Okay, great. Start, start at 98. Okay. So I was 11. So now, Julia is learning the interview process, so she's going to ask you the next question. While you were at OSSB, were you involved in any activities, like any sports or band or choir? Choir, and then I was also involved in our school radio station. Would you like to share a favorite memory of one of those activities, like a concert or a trip you went on? Yeah, uh, let's see. The State House, when, when uh, the choir was at the State House, and we sang a, a 50s doo-wop arrangement of White Christmas by the Drifters, and then there was also the same year, 2008, my senior year, it was the Christmas concert that year at Thursday night. Yeah, that was some piece, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole crew was there. Yeah, and I believe that arrangement was four-part harmony, wasn't it? Sure was. Yeah. And now, did you sing bass in the choir, Matt? Yes, I did. Yeah, you sound like a bass. You get, got your voice way down low there. I haven't done singing in a while. Okay. All right. Um, basically, it's like all my, all my friends, they kind of moved on and done their own thing. So what were you thinking about doing after high school when you graduated in 2009? I was thinking about doing um, radio, but I, the only thing was people were saying, like most of the most radio stations are going what you call automated or pre-recorded. Right. However, there's still a few, there's still a few live stations out there that have someone on 24-7, yeah. like the one down here, WLW here in Cincinnati, and then the Staten has the Grand Old Opry, WSM 650. Okay. Those two, as far as I know, they still have someone live on the air 24-7. Right. I understand you got involved with Easter Seals. Yes, I did. Yeah. When, when did you start working with the Easter Seals? That was January 19th of 2010. Okay. So it was like that a Tuesday after a Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. So that's about eight years ago then. Yeah. And um, so what, what kinds of things are you doing with the Easter Seals down there in Cincinnati? Doing uh, peace work. We've been doing like, we used to sort dog leashes, our group, the Explorer program. Mm -hmm. We put them in different boxes and then we ship them off to like Walmart or Target. Now they don't get the shipment anymore. Gotcha. And one, one time we did. We uh, packed those mouthpieces for breathalyzers for for the D people that have the DUI. Right. Drunk doing driving. That, doing those tests, yeah. Yeah, and then we also would do, we crumble newspaper for packaging clocks. I'm not sure what company does that, but it's, it's all right. Okay. All right. So are you on your feet a lot? A little bit. Sometimes it's. It's a sit-down job. Sometimes we'll we'll go on outings, like to a park or out to lunch, or or maybe to like the Cincinnati uh, Art Museum or uh, what is it the, um, the Cincinnati Museum Center. Okay. The only thing is, there's no uh, like music type museum here in Cincinnati. Oh man, yeah, I have to get them to take you up to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame sometime. Right. I actually went. I went there for a graduation gift. Dad and I drove up after a Ohio State scrimmage game. So it sounds like you're staying pretty active in the community yeah. down there. I don't have anybody from the blind school here at Easter since I used to, but she she left. She was 
She was class of 1984, Beverly Alexander. Okay. So why do you think it's important to stay active and involved in community activities? So you won't be sitting around at home all day, you know? Meet people, getting out, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like you've made some new friends uh, down there with the Easter Seals. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that a lot of your friends from OSSB have left and you know moved out of the Cincinnati area and that kind of thing. How are you staying in contact with everybody? Uh, <clears throat> Facebook, phone, especially Sarah. She's she's doing all right. Okay. I see her periodically, summer, summer, and then we'll see each other in November. Yeah. She's going to turn thirty this year, so. Right. Still playing piano. She is, yeah. Yeah. So then you can, you know, when she's playing the piano, you can do some singing. Right? Yeah, or, or she and I could sing together. Okay, all right. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I told you, I don't know if I told you, she and I used to broadcast on our radio station together. Right. So did you guys do the afternoon shift at the OSSB radio station? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we haven't had that radio station going for quite a while. Yeah, it shut down the year, the year I had. Uh, Right. My senior year, I was kind of upset. Yeah, it did. It's, uh, we'll have to look around see if we still have that equipment laying around somewhere. Yeah. Get it back up and running. But we, we are doing the podcast now. Uh, That's a good thing. So you can access that using your phone. Uh, how are you accessing Facebook? Do you use your phone to do that or a computer? Or are you using a reader? Drew's helped me here. He's seeing if, uh, like, what, what, uh, notifications I have mm-hmm. got family on there my family Sarah's family alright Julia has another question for you what words of wisdom or advice would you pass along to current students at OSSB I would say if you have a career or a, a like goal you want to do like or it's like radio or any, or any kind of job or career don't don't give up on on it, on your dream, just find the right people to to find to help you with with that. And I quote Elizabeth Simmons from the class of 1982, who who gave our acceptance speech in 2009. She said, "Make a plan, do what you can, and be someone's fan." That's great pearls of wisdom, Matt. Um, yeah, I remember that from back then, 2009. Yeah, I remember that speech too. Sure yeah, did. I, yeah, I thought, I thought about that last night. Well, I appreciate you guys joining us this morning uh, on the podcast. This is going to go out on the 30th of September. Okay. And, and if you want to listen to the OSSB podcast, you just open up your podcast app on your phone and do a search for OSSB. Or if you want to listen to it on the computer, go to soundcloud.com and do a search for OSSB. Okay. Thank you, Matt. Before we get off here, is there any shout-out to anyone that you'd like to, to say? Hi, Sarah Spades. Matt Cromer, boyfriend. I'm just here on the OSSB podcast, and I would love for you to hear this on the 30th of September. Oh. Talk to you soon, Sarah. Bye. All right. All right. All right, man. We'll keep... Stick in and uh, doing great things down there.
We'll do, Dan. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Dan. All right. Bye. Drew, would you be would you want to talk about anything involving Easter Seals and what Easter Seals does? Um, yeah, so we just started this um this social media project with with Matt and a few others and Matt um for him this is I think it's it's really helped him out, you know, reconnecting with um some of the people on Facebook that he otherwise wouldn't wouldn't have or um you know, may not have those connections, but, um, yeah, that's, that's really all I have to say about it right now. Um, I, I really, I, I just started a few weeks ago, so, mm-hmm. um, but, but I found this to be very beneficial and I, I would just like to, I think, speak for Matt and say thank you for, for having him on the podcast and, and give him that opportunity. He, he loves radio and, and, um, you know, all those type of things. So being on the podcast was, was really a, a cool thing for him to get the chance to do. All right. Well, we sure look forward to uh, putting this together and getting it out there. And I hope you guys get a chance to listen to it as well on the 30th when it comes out. Yeah, definitely will. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you, Matt. And thank you, Drew, for your time this morning for another Alumni Focus on the OSSB Podcast. Okay, we are back, and uh, we're going to talk about a visit downtown today with our seniors, Troy, Chantel, Taylor, and Constance. Where did we go today? We went to the Old School for the Blind in Parsons Avenue. All right, and it was considered an art trip, wasn't it? Yes, it was. I loved it. All right. Taylor, how come it's an art trip? Because we're learning about architectures in art class, and... Um, some of us had the opportunity to make the original school for the blind, and then when we went there, they were the architectures. All right, so you got to learn a little bit about architecture, right, uh, yep. Troy? So that being said, how would you kind of define that term? Like building models and stuff, and like you know whatever model you want to build, like it's the yeah the design of the building, right? Yep. How the building looks and how the building feels, yes. right? Mm-hmm. So were there were there some differences between the new school for the blind and the and the old campus? Yeah, there was a lot of difference I could tell because the rails were different. Which I mentioned, one of them had a rail light dot, which is interesting, and which lets you know if you go up second a second step each time, you would feel that dot, and it lets you know you're up on each step. Mm. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Chantel, how many floors were there? How many stories is that old building? Six stories. Yeah, six. Six stories. Yeah, six. uh, If I remember right, we went on a tour there a long time ago. One of our principals took the teaching staff down there as far. We went down and took a tour and kind of got the history of the old school. And it was kind of neat. So if if I remember right, everything was in that one building. Yeah. Yes. The classrooms, the dormitories. Yes. The, yep. They were all connected. The cafeteria, the gym. Yep. Well, I don't remember if there was a gym down there. Was there a gym? I don't know. They didn't cover that? Probably. Yeah, but I knew they had some beautiful hardwood floors down there. And lots of tiles, too. Yeah. And that's all part of that architecture you were talking about, right? Yes. How would you compare that building to, to the new building here? Mm. Well, the old building was kind of like... It was it had 
ceilings, which are really high, and it was kind of echoey in there. So it sounded different, didn't it? Yeah, it sounded different. Like, everything was different compared to the new building. And the new building sounds, it's it's a lot quieter, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Our ceilings are lower, and not as many windows. I like the conference room. So so it was a room for serious business, huh? Yeah. Was that the original conference room, or did they say they remodeled that? Oh, yeah, that's where where the health department is. Mm -hmm. And they had the sandstone walls, which were really interesting. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of interesting and unpredictable at the same time. What would that feel like at sandstone? Was it smooth or rough? It was rough. Pretty rough, huh? Yes. Yeah. It sounded like you guys had a great day down there. Yes, we did. It was fun. So who gave you guys the tour? Uh, Dana. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Make sure you listen to our OSSB podcast. Give it a thumbs up. Keep this thing rolling. Up next, Ajane and I will be talking to Beth Slade. She is a lady from Leader Dog. She will be telling us about their program and talking about their dog. Hi, everybody. This is Beth Slade. She is from Leader Dogs, and she brought a dog in named Coco. What kind of dog is Coco? Coco is a Labrador Golden Retriever cross. So See, she's about I, 60 pounds, mm-hmm. and she's yellow. Ooh, what's it like working for Leader Dogs? It is one of the most gratifying, fabulous. It's like working at Disneyland without all the princesses. <laughs> Uh, because you get to see you get to see people come in um, who aren't really sure if what they're doing is the right thing for them, and they walk out seven days or twenty five days later, and they are ready to conquer territories that they've never conquered before. Literally. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it's great that like people have guide dogs. What kind of like dogs do you guys train? So we have Labradors, Golden Retrievers, Ooh. sometimes we cross the two. That's what Coco just set up for that one because she knows that's her. And we uh, also have some German Shepherd. I used to have a German Shepherd as a kid. Oh. How old do you have to be to have a guide dog from Leader Dogs? From Leader Dogs? 16. Mm-hmm. That's not bad at all. I think that's actually really good. How old does the dog need to be? Uh, the dog, by the time uh, the dog gets all the way through formal training, mm-hmm. is anywhere uh, just maybe under two years, year and a how long is typical years. training? Is that also two years? Well, the typical training, it starts with our volunteer puppy raisers. Mm-hmm. So the volunteer puppy raisers get their puppies when they're about seven weeks old. Okay. And they train them for 12 to 14 months. Um, basic training on how to be a good dog. Mm-hmm. Um, they have certain criteria they need to meet. The dogs, then they come back for formal training with our guide dog mobility instructors. Mm-hmm. And that's a four-month program wow. of working on the campus strictly with the GDMIs and then they're issued. That's not that's mm-hmm. not long at all. I figured it'd be like a few years. No, no, they're they're really good at what they do. That's good. <laughs> so what's the summer camp that I hear about? Ah, uh, the summer camp. So <laughs> we have not just a guide dog program. We have an orientation and mobility program and we have the summer experience for teenagers. So it's for kids who are 16 and 17 years old. Mm-hmm. It's open for kids from all 50 states. Um, it comes up for a week. We do a lot of leadership skills. We also go up to uh, a camp that is just north of us, and we do everything from rock climbing to zip lining yes. to um, canoeing, tandem bike riding. I you get to I test guess. drive a leader dog one day. Cool. Okay. It's a lot of fun. That's good. So that's for about uh, 21 students, mm-hmm. and uh, applications are online. <laughs> All of our programs are free of charge. What? So your room and board, your travel to and from leader dog, um, the dog, the harness, the... Um, the summer experience, whatever it is that you're coming so, for, it's all free. That's really cool. See, some dog companies you have to pay for. 
Some, some you do. Uh, we've been doing this for almost 80 years. Wow. And uh, everything that we do, we fundraise for. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that there is no fee for service. Do you have a, like a story of like a favorite leader dog? Like you have a favorite dog? A favorite dog? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably every one of them that I Aww, meet. <laughs> that's so sweet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they each have their own little personalities. Um, Coco just stood up just for that. <laughs> a favorite story. I always hear really funny stories from clients. I actually had one, a woman who lives over on the western side of Michigan. She was in between her dogs, and so she was using her cane. Mm-hmm. And she told me, she said, uh, I had to run to Walmart to get a prescription. And I said, oh, well, that's grand. And she said, do you have any idea how many obstacles there are in the aisle at Walmart? <laughs> and I thought about it. I said, no, I never really thought about it. And she said, neither had I. Because, of course, her cane is very tactile. You have to touch the thing to know that it's there. Mm-hmm. And the guide dog is completely opposite. It had been walking her around for the past 10 years. She didn't even know she was walking around obstacles. <laughs> so that was one of my favorites. I have another question. Yeah, I'm I here. understand that you have a breeding program. Can you talk a little more about that? Sure. So it used to be that we would take donated dogs. We found that the success, the success of those dogs mm-hmm. wasn't as high. Yeah. So now we have our own breeding mm-hmm. stock dogs. So... Um, these are dogs that are pulled for breeding. They live with volunteers. They come back on campus when it's time for, for the breeding to happen. Then the breeding stock dogs go home. The puppies yeah. are whelped in the volunteers' mm-hmm. home. And then they come back when they're about six weeks old. What does it mean when you guys say, make everyone unstoppable? It's a good question. So, yeah, that's our, that's our uh, new tagline is make everybody unstoppable. Because when you've got the confidence to travel independently, yeah. you can go anywhere. And yeah. a lot of times then you can do just about anything. So mm-hmm. that's making people not have that that uh, barrier of not being able to get out and get around. And a lot of people, it's, you know, how am I going to get to work? Yeah. Um, and when you've got the confidence yeah. and, the, and the tools, like either white cane, uh, you know, skills, yeah. O&M skills, or, or, uh, yeah. or guide dog with you, you. Yes. Sometimes that's not even your obstacle at that point. It's, well, do I have shoes that match my pants? Who cares about that? Who cares? You can wear orange shoes and yellow pants. I know. I would totally do that. (laughs) So would I. All right. Thank you, Miss Beth. Um, It was nice meeting you. Really nice meeting you. It was nice to meet you both. Coco's ready to go. We have a customer. This is one of my favorite spots to stop. I think it's a hot diggity dog day down here, isn't it? It is. Who's the greeter today? <laughs> Ryan. How are we doing today, Ryan? Hey. Hey. All right. I have my order in. Did, yeah. you, did you get my order? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting two today. All right. We'll give you two punches in your loyalty card. Hi, mate. Hot dog, will you like? I would like two hot dogs, please. Okay. All right. Thank you. Would you like to make that a combo? I'd love to make that a combo with, uh, what do you got, potato sticks again? Yes, we do. And the combo is something new this year. It is. What do we have in our combos? Chips and pop. Chips and pop. Okay, Dakota, how much is one combo? Three. Three. Okay, let's use the calculator and do, he's doing two, so we're going to do three plus three. Thank you, Cordell. All right, Dakota. How much was it again, Dakota? Did Mr. Kelly owe you? Okay. All right. So, Dakota, what I'm going to do is give you a $5 bill first. How many more do I need for six? One. One. There you go. All right. And here is your $1 bill right there. 
And well, thank you. That'll make it carrying it a lot easier. So, how's the business going down here, Miss Z? Business is going pretty well. We changed our times this year. Yep. That we sell during fifth period, and that's when the elementary teachers eat and staff. And then we go a little bit into the high school students' lunch when most of the high school teachers have their lunch. About 11:15 to 12. So, has there been a significant pickup because of the time change? You think? Not yet, because I don't think people have gotten the word. No, we're gonna if, we're gonna get the word out on the podcast. No. Business ought to be picking up. Thanks. Everybody's worked very hard. Yep. All right. All right, guys. On the count of three, let's say hot diggity dog. Ready? One, two, three. Diggity diggity dog. Hot diggity dog. All right. Thank you. My name is Diariana. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. I'm in the 10th grade. I am 16, and I am the prettiest girl here. I love this school very much, and I love you guys very much. Hello, my name is James Stout. I'm from New Philadelphia, Ohio. I really love OSSB because all of the teachers and staff are respectful and polite, and they really take time to teach. I'm in 10th grade. My name is Jesse Amos. I'm from Ohio, Centerville, Dickensburg, Ohio. I am in the 9th grade. Hi, my name is Marquisha Beverly. I'm in the 9th grade. And what I love about the school is that they have really great teaching. And I'm from Columbus, Ohio. My name is Sharon. I'm in the 10th grade. I love playing the piano. Here are sounds from the 2018 NCASB Track Conference. Final call for boys, Class C, 1600 meters. Jeremiah and Jerrica. And Billy. Uh, 11. Yo. Have you called Class A boys shot? I have earlier, yes. All right. For the boys, first place, Arkansas. Second place, Tennessee. Third place, Indiana. Fourth place, Minnesota. For the girls, first place, Kentucky. Second place, Indiana. Third place, Missouri. Fourth place, Ohio. Great job, track athletes. To the right, point directly to the North Star, which is also known as Polaris. Because the North Star always appears in the same place in the sky, it has served as a navigational tool for centuries. If you are facing the North Star, you are facing north. The North Star is also known as the Steering Star, the Load Star, and the Ship Star. Hello everyone, this is Julia with the calendar schedule for October. October 2nd is the Bill Roby trip to Kentucky for the elementary students from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. October 4th is Goldball Clinic in Kentucky, then band practice from 5.30 to 7.30. No school on October 8th for Columbus Day. Band practice on October 11th from 5.30 to 7.30. October 15th is White Cane Day celebration. And finally, October 18th is the staff and student goalball match, followed by the band playing at the Pumpkin Show at 4 p.m. Thank you guys for joining us for this month's podcast. It was a little long this time, but we thought it was all well worth it, didn't we, Ozzy Knight? Yes, we did. We are getting ready to bring you events for the next one. We're going to, for sure, do the art presentation that's taking place. It's going to be really neat. 
students built a city out of recycled materials, and they're going to explain all about their city and how innovative they were in that process. Thank you for joining us from Ajene, Andre, and Mr. Kelly and the rest of the podcast team. Hope to see you guys next month.